2: and Frogzilla Radio proudly presents Frog Watch with your friend and host Big Tony Rousy, aka Frog Watch
0: Okay round 2 name something that's not boring
1: To die.
2: opening track this week was In Dim Days by White Willow. This comes from their brand new album, Future Hopes. Anyway, Jakob and the folks in White Willow have come up with another good one, and one which I am sure we will revisit in the weeks ahead. So before I get too far ahead of myself, let me say I am Big Tony, your friend the Prog Squatch, and this is Prog Watch, and I would like to thank you all for coming along for the ride once again. Now I'd like to move into the bulk of this week's program, which is a feature on an enigmatic German musician and composer who likes to be known simply as T, like the letter, not the beverage now. T's proper name is Thomas Thielen, and he was a member of a band called Scythe many years back, before embarking on his solo career under the T moniker. Thomas is a fascinating and deeply intellectual man. He's a philosopher and educator and is active in attempting to restore truth and accuracy to the news media. He also writes all the music, plays all the instruments, and engineers and produces every note you hear on his enigmatic albums. I had a long and deep conversation with Thomas a few weeks back, and we will hear some of that a little later. For now, let's listen to some of his music. This is A Sky-High Pile of Anarchy from his 2015 album Fragmentropy. And that was T or Thomas Thielen, song called A Sky High Pile of Anarchy, from his Fragmentropy album in 2015.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
3: Oh, just listen to Brogzilla.
2: Now let's get into my conversation with Thomas Thielen, the artist known as T. So I guess we'll get rolling since you're recording that next album, right? <laughs> <laughs> it might take a few days more
4: or less or a year or two or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that much in a hurry about that.
2: <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, this week our guest is Thomas Thielen, also known as T., uh german born correct but educated somewhat in the united kingdom
4: well um that would be a bit boasting actually to say because i I only spent there about a year um traveling through youth hostels and stuff when i was studying english but yeah um sort
2: of sort of 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 an accent remained okay so uh (laughs) It was more or less uh, the school of life uh, while you were in England, just <laughs> being in England and learning to communicate with English people. I guess.
4: Yeah, with Scottish, um, I'm not sure if that's the same actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was a lot. I was traveling through Scotland a lot. Yeah.
2: Okay, so you pick up a brogue or whatever, huh, or uh, whatever that sounds- accent is, huh?
4: <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure. It's, it's been some 20 years, so um, I'm not sure how much remained of that. You tell me.
2: Okay. Um, uh, you sound German, <laughs> 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 but, but your English is very excellent.
4: <laughs> Thanks anyway. <laughs> Don't let that be known to my pupils, actually, but I never,
2: never mind. <laughs> so, uh, you're, you're with the band Scythe.
4: Uh, I was uh, some twenty-something years ago, and I, I feel a bit like like the small town version of Fish, being still referred to by, well, Scythe, uh, okay. like with merillion, But no, I'm not. I'm um, we actually never split up, but the last concert was some twenty years ago. So I guess um, that's that, actually.
2: Okay, yeah, <laughs> kind of just never officially disbanded, mm-hmm. but uh, more or less not really doing anything at this point.
4: We just had a gig, and then we never met again. It's, it's rather weird, actually, now, come to think of it.
2: Yeah, that sounds unique among bands. You know, usually <laughs> some kind of row or whatever, and they fall out, or at least make some kind of announcement, you know, or just formally agree that it's over.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 nothing really happened. Well, come to think of it, maybe they're waiting for my call. <laughs> <laughs> You never know.
2: Well, I'm glad I was able to arrange this call then. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I didn't have to wait 20 years. <laughs> no, but it is interesting to talk to you because you, I think you're a fascinating person. I, uh, you know, Rob and I are both big fans. Rob Fisher and I want to thank him on air for uh, helping set this up and introducing us on at least through email. Um, yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Rob's very much into the whole lyrical side of things, and he suggested a couple of questions that uh, I think are really cool, insightful questions, you know?
4: Oh, God. So, yeah, yeah, Rob (laughs) says, uh,
2: you know, uh, he says that he feels that you're a philosopher, an educator who thinks deeply about a lot of things. One of your semi-joking claims for epistrophobia was that you spent longer on the lyrics than the music. So uh... That's
4: right, yeah. That's right. For this time is it's it's really true. Um it it's the first time actually that the lyrics took longer than the than the music. But um I had a couple of ideas for Fragmentropy, the the album that um preceded Epistrophobia. And uh, I wanted to be better. I was not quite happy with the lyrics for Fragmentropy, although <laughs> Rob for instance loved them, but I think they could have been better. So I took more time for it and actually really dig deeper and deeper into what words were the right words for which other words and stuff like that. Really the the opposite of writer's block, actually.
2: Too much. (laughs) Too much you had to actually pare it down, you know, cut stuff or, you know.
4: Yeah, it was, if if you really, um, well, there's, it's a kind of spiral, you know. You can say that they are, um, that every word can still be questioned. Like um, if we're talking about philosophy, that um, for every word that you say, um, there's this German philosopher called Eugen Fink, um, who says that these words that you actually say are the words that are standing in the light, and those that you use to explain them are standing in the shadow. So come to think of it, you can always pull the other words out of the shadows and bring them in and think about those. And then about those which are now in the shadows and stuff like that. So that's
2: actually what I did because that's what the album is about. (laughs) Very interesting. So there's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. So it seems there's a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, the importance of beginnings and endings, you know, Um, are these uh, artificial constructs just for our own story? You know, or is life actually just a flowing stream? I mean, you know, we get into this whole philosophical kind of thing with some <laughs> of the lyrics.
4: Yeah, it, it's it's about that question, actually. Um, I don't know. Is that, is that really interesting for people who listen to that? that that's great. Uh, it, it's great if it I would. hope so. You know, I, <laughs> I, I hope okay. so. Okay. Um, the point is that um, the, uh, Epistophobia took um, the same story that I told on uh, Fragment Trophy and um told it again uh fragment Robby told it from from a global universal outside perspective and with epistrophe um epistrophobia um, and mostly epistrophe the last the last bit uh, i tried to do that from within so um uh, that's very paul Auster, actually but um yeah it's it's the same story again and I'll tell you what there's um a third album in a row that i'm writing at the moment that tries to take even a different approach at telling the same story from a, from a different um narrative perspective hmm very interesting yeah so, it's uh... it's really it's really um it sounds a bit pompous now that I say it, but, but it's really my attempt at writing novels um, <laughs> without being good enough to actually write novels.
2: <laughs> have you ever felt inspired to uh, write a novel? I, I mean, do you have? I, I don't know. I've I, I've been a writer at times in my life, but I was always a, like a technical writer and mm. uh, didn't really. I, I I never had a lot of uh, the creative aspect as far as being a good storyteller.
4: Well, there's this famous saying by Philip Roth, I, I think it was, who says that inspiration is for amateurs and that the professionals just sit down and do it. And uh, so maybe just just get along well. Um, but no, I, I have I have had some some very desperate attempts at writing when I was about 18 or something. I think everybody does that, but. I'm really not good at that, and so um, what I what I'm maybe a bit better at is poetry, and well, poetry with music is called lyrics.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's just that I never push myself in that regard, but I I I know a lot of words, and I can you know convey ideas in cool. words, probably better than a lot of people do today because a lot of people are LOLing and all this other stuff and (laughs) i refuse to do that i use proper grammar in all my you know even on facebook when i'm like texting someone more or less on facebook you know sending private messages capital letter proper grammar punctuation you know
4: so you're the other one
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there aren't many of us left are there
4: yeah there aren't but trust me on this it's going to be huge (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know make grandma great again
2: you th- oh, okay make grandma great <laughs> well no. i am i am someone's grandfather so uh you know whatever yeah <laughs> it, it, it is what it is i guess um but yeah i never felt the uh inspiration you know was, i guess i i was never a very good joke teller either you know um more or less had to memorize a joke really word for word or you know i don't i don't know i just like i said i i have a command of words but i never really had the creative side and even i i do some music on the side and i've always been more about constructing the music and i have a better i'm, I'm more creative at that aspect of it than the words they, they maybe i don't know i think sometimes maybe i'm just lazy and i let other people <laughs> do it for me because i'm able to i have a couple of friends who are interested and we do our little music project and uh you know they're they're more word people and uh Maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe if I was pushed, I could do it.
4: Yeah, it is, it, it, this may as well be the case. Um, I think it was also Philip Roth who said that the first line is a gift of the gods and the the rest is really hard work. That I can really uh, subscribe to that.
2: That's a great <laughs> quote. Yeah, I like yeah. it.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I really feel that way too. So that's why the lyrics for Epistrophobia really took a long time for me to do because there, there really was something I wanted to convey. And oh, it was hard to do because um, if you talk about reflexic, reflexive logics, and um, well, you'd better practice what you preach. And that's a hard thing to do <laughs> in
2: it, this case. It can be, yes. Let's take a little break from the chat and listen to some more of T's music. This is The Aftermath of Silence from his album Psychoanorexia in 2013. Oh And that was the aftermath of silence from the 2013 release by T entitled psychoanorexia
0: okay round two name something that's not boring
2: a laundry oh a book club computer
1: solitaire huh
0: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com
2: now let's listen to some more of my epic interview with thomas Thielen. so uh there's a there's a bowie presence also in uh, a lot of epistrophobia i i think his death cast a shadow on the album sort of uh we get some nods to major tom and black star so uh yeah w- but
4: the black star that's really by chance
2: um <laughs> everybody okay. tells me that and i say well
4: yeah you're right <laughs> but but there's really this um this um one passage where i uh, or paragraph i should say um where I get into, I think it's it, it's rather obvious that the, that's a mixture of um, slip away and space oddity, and this is my nod in this direction. Yeah, I don't want to, again. I don't want to feel feel in some way um, important enough to be allowed to do that. But I really, I was really uh, heartbroken when when he died. I'm a big, big fan.
2: Yeah, I was a big fan too. Um, yeah, long time. Uh, yeah, he was a major talent, and yeah, he's he will be missed. Oh. Yeah,
4: he was more than that. Um, for me, um, you know, when, whenever I was, uh, I'm, a, I'm a rather insecure person as, a, as an artist. So whenever I asked myself, "Well, can I do that? Is that too far out?" there was there was always David Bowie coming around in my head and or on record and saying, "Well, I did worse, or I did more. I <laughs> yeah, went even further than you." And so that was some kind of guiding guiding hand to to get me into
2: well experimenting. Well, yeah, there—he was definitely an experimenter, the uh, the chameleon in a way, you know. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. He reinvented himself a number of times, you know.
4: Yeah, and then there was this. Um, I, I really adore, still adore the Low album, and I really adore uh, Outside the Northern Adler Diaries, which I, which I really love, still love the uh, this album. So, um, so much things that I um. <laughs> Well, that I really um, define myself by. So, this was the one of the one celebrity death that really
2: struck me, yeah, uh, emotionally, yeah, yeah. I, I I was also a big fan of Greg Lake, uh, being yeah. a a bass player, some of a, a self-professed bass player. <laughs> you know what? I tell <laughs> and you a what vocalist I tell you. <laughs> with a deep voice. <laughs> you know, I, I I I always identified with Greg Lake.
4: You know. Okay, you know, um, I was just asked by German magazine *Eclipsed* um, what I think about uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and I had to tell the truth. Really, I have not listened to ALP very much. Actually, I, no. I couldn't quote one single song. Really, um, I have to. I feel rather stupid in saying that and making progressive rock, but well, it's true. So I have to really get that gap filled.
2: Well, there's always, you know, there's always time. So yeah, least, yeah. yeah we hope anyway right <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah and um but this bowie thing i always um i'm always told that my voice sounds a lot like david bowie and i feel absolutely flattered by that but i can't hear it <laughs> i don't hear it at all i
2: guess i hear i could hear a little more maybe steve hogarth in some of you know your phrasing and whatnot did anyone yeah. ever tell you that
4: Yeah, I hear that all the time, and I'm also very, very flattered by that, but you know, Steve Hogarth is one of the best singers there, so
2: who wouldn't want to be compared with him? Sure, and he's so distinctive, yeah.
4: Yeah, but um, but I think we have the same um, – actually, we we have learned it the same way. He always makes a big point of saying that he has not actually learned it, but um, there was some training he had. He confessed that back in the 90s, and it was the same Italian technique that I I used to learn. I studied singing for about eight
2: years classically, and I think you hear that. That's a connection. So you actually studied classical singing, like opera, stuff like that? Yeah I I took a sharp
4: left turn when that came up but the classical okay. techniques with mask and resonances and stuff like that so so I know my voice rather well and I know what I can do and I also know very well what I can't <laughs> Yeah so so I always stay in my comfort zone and maybe that's why people think I'm a good singer uh, By the way they they didn't used to think that I was harshly criticized when I started Really Really, absolutely. It was always when in Scythe days, um, uh, everybody said the band is good, but the singers crap. <laughs> and, and I guess they were right because I was still learning.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So you were young. You twenty years ago now, huh? Is that what yeah. you said? So, yeah. uh, how much more of a musical background did you have before Scythe? I mean, did you were you always musical? Did any any of your parents uh, play music? Was it around the house? You know. I was gifted
4: with um, with a very special kind of parents. Um, music is no part of their life whatsoever, but they had me classically educated. They knew that it is important, although they have <laughs> they have a very very uh, awful taste of music if they listen to it anyway. <laughs> and but they they somehow felt that it was important to me, and they supported me uh, to a point. Um, well, I- incredible. Let me tell you one story about that, if we have sure. time. Um, you know, when I uh, was at school and I was about 13, there was this bar, a band called Backyard Blues um, that was run by all these uh, very experienced um, 18-year-old men. Yeah, you know, okay, you get, yeah. get the picture. And they, they uh, were looking for a bass player. And I just lied to them. I said, well, I can play the bass. I didn't even have a bass, nor had I ever played bass before. Okay. Right? So, And um, they said, well, sure, come around this afternoon and uh, let's get some something going. And I said, this afternoon, oh, God. <laughs> that, that's and, a crash course. <laughs> and I told my, my teachers I was ill. And I went home and went to my mom and said, Mom, I need a bass. And I need, by the way, a bass amp. And <sighs> she said, sure, let's, let's get somewhere um, by the weekend. And what, how much money have you got? So let's see. I said, well, no, uh, I need it today and I don't have any money. And so my my mom looked at me sharply, <laughs> <laughs> and then she got me into the car and we went to the next bigger city. I, I would live on the countryside, and so there was no no bass around. Yeah. And we went there and we bought a bass and a bass amp because she saw how important it was. And then I had about two hours uh, about uh, of learning how to play the blues on the bass, which is not that important the basics yeah right. uh, that th- that difficult being a-, a guitarist anyway and so um yeah so i got the job in the band <laughs> and you know what the bass we played well i still play it
2: wow okay what kind of bass is it
4: it's an area pro actually it's a very very cool sound very very lemmy motorhead reichenbaker okay <laughs> yeah so that's how that's um, how I was musically um educated. But
2: but you funny. knew how to play guitar a little bit already? Is what you're saying, so.
4: Yeah, yeah, I okay. I knew what the strings were about and I, and I quickly learned that there was E A D G and that's about it and well uh, these day and when back then the bass seemed like <laughs> like guitar
2: for dummies. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I started on bass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, and
4: yeah you know what
2: I'm talking about. There now. are many pl- bass player jokes out there, yes,
4: <laughs> I know
2: them all, <laughs> yeah. but hey, when you got a good one, it really makes a difference. I mean, you know, we can talk about some fabulous bass players in progressive rock, of course, you know, the men that redefined the role of the instrument really
4: yeah yeah and i'm i'm a I'm a huge fan of what Pietro Vavas does because he's he's so um versatile. But always a team player. I, I mm-hmm. consider the, the Tony Levin, Peter Triveras uh, approach um, a lot um, higher than what, let's say, um, um, all, all these bass uh, solo players do. What well, team players? That's great. That's where I'm heading.
2: Yeah, elevate the song. You know, whatever whatever is good for the song.
4: Yeah, you know this um, this bass line. I think it's Tony Levin who plays on Seal's uh, Killer. Is it killer? I think it's killer. Where he only plays one or two notes, but these do the groove. It's so great.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that is a whole thing too unto itself. Is the groove, you know, uh, just locking in with the drummer and really yeah. propelling what, the song.
4: What I really love is that um, I got um, Tony Levin got me um, his funk fingers. There was a time when he when he made them, and I got them, and I love to play with with the funk fingers. And Tony, if you're familiar with that.
2: Are they basically, like those uh, stick things that go on the ends of your fingers, so you kind of like strike the string with it? Exactly. And, yeah. You Get like that popping sound, or yeah, and almost like a, a yeah, a, yeah. A, a, you know that pop sound they used to do back in disco days or whatever. But it's, it's a, a
4: bit like 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 slapping, but but with more yeah. thump. And uh, yeah, that that's basically my bass
2: sound. I, I always use them a lot. Are they complicated? I mean I guess you got to be a finger player to do that. I was always a pick guy. <laughs> it, me too, but
4: but um it takes a lot of practice, but you can do that eventually. And it also it also makes your bass lines rather simple, which is not a bad thing. <laughs>
2: hey, they're getting it done, right? And locking yeah. in and uh, carrying the song forward. That's yeah. kind of the main role of the instrument in most yeah. music. Yeah, but when you
4: listen to Epistrophobia, you can also see that um, a lot of music was actually written on bass. Um, there's um, the whole "What If" thing was written on bass, and there's a lot of things that I, if I had to play that live, I, I'd make a complete fool of myself. I, I really, I, I admit to recording it bar by bar because it's so so heavy to play. Okay. Yeah, it, it's I,
2: I'm really not that good. <laughs> <laughs> that does bring up an, another line of questioning sometimes that i follow is just uh how do you feel about all the the computer technology and all the things that we can do today to uh to get the sound across to get the sound from your head to the listener's ear you know what how do you feel about it you know i mean you can do so many great things on computers these days
4: well um how should i not like it well i am it <laughs> the point is that um I'm so much of a control freak that I um, have refrained from playing with, with bands completely. Um, I, I don't really like that about me, but it seems to be, well, how I am. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I use computers um, a lot. I learned a lot about um, sound, um, sound design and sound engineering. And I do my own mixes on computers, and I I work for Steven Slade uh, in his in his uh, development team and beta team, and uh, have all these cool plugins there, and yeah, uh, incredible. I c- I couldn't exist as a musician without that.
2: Yeah, that's I, I love all the plugins these days. It just it's unbelievable to have like the yeah. m- the Moog modular plugin, you know, where you can pull the wires, you know. If you've, and, e- if yeah. you've
4: ever played uh, played a real Mellotron. You know how good these plugins are, and how comfortable
2: <laughs> yeah i love i have a I have one that I like very much, the red Tron, you know it's got all the classic sounds in it,
4: yeah, you see, and without all the tapes mingling up and stuff
2: right it. or getting stretched or hot or yeah. cold, depending on the oh. temperature, you know.
4: You know, I I always wanted to have uh, this thing, these things in analog, yeah,
2: with
4: with a vibe and stuff like that. And then I got it, and the first vibe I got was something broken.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: And then I got back to my plugins.
2: Yeah, I have a friend who plays keyboards. He's still all into his, you know. He wants a, he wants a B three. I'm like, what do you want that for? It's huge. Where would you ever take it? You know, it's expensive and and huge. You know, you get yourself a good MIDI. Uh, control keyboard kind of thing and, and midi up and I, i've got a great virtual b3 you know organ in in a plug-in it sounds fantastic and you know yeah. i got a rotary speaker plug in you know <laughs> so yeah, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. you can do all this stuff you know
4: you know when i started we still had these wooden um bass um bass speakers uh, with uh, 40 kilograms each and stuff and oh never never ever again right yeah but but still in my living room there's a real piano and um when i want to write stuff i find myself sitting there and writing with a real piano and never at, at the keyboard Don't ask me. Okay, yeah. (laughs) just happens
2: like that. It's just one of those things, yeah. (laughs) One of those things. Well, let's save some of that conversation with Thomas Thielen, a.k.a. T, for another program. On that program, I promise to have at least one exclusive new track from Thomas. For the time being, though, let's finish up with a song called Chapter 5 Contingencies. This is basically two-song suite here called What If and What If Not. It comes from Thomas's latest album, Epistrophobia, released in 2016. Again, this is called What If and What If Not. So we're not strangers
3: anymore I love his friendship now There'll be no doubt you're real There is no doubt at all Our last bad news I have so bad it makes me cry You see the devastation When you lose your alibi by star Stau. That fade into a sullen blue, entropic velocity. I-
2: Once again, that was What If and What If Not, two parts of Chapter 5 of the Epistrophobia album, which was released in 2016 under the T moniker by our guest this week, Thomas Thielen. Like I said, I'll be coming back around to play some more of that interview, and uh, we'll hear that in a few weeks to come. Hi, this is Andy Rowe, bass player from UK Melodic
3: Prog as The Room, you're listening to Prog Watch. I should do this voiceover thing for a living, really.
2: So in the meantime, remember that if you like the program, you can always follow me on Twitter at Squatch uh, to see my daily classic album, which uh, gets some some interplay going sometimes among my followers. Or you can like the uh, Facebook page, Prog-Watch. You can also email me with questions, suggestions, comments. Prague Squatch, P R O G S Q U A T C H at gmail.com. So, in the meantime, don't forget to support the artists, and uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. So, Prague on, brothers and sisters.
0: We don't play hits. If progressive music is your thing, Radio Progzilla is your station. Progressive music from your progressive rock station. Progzilla. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: (sighs) Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.